0: welcome to views from the world tree on this week's show we scream at the top of our lungs throw rocks down canyons and bang on trees all in an effort to find the elusive sasquatch the elusive sasquatch and now on with the show It's such a difficult word. Like you would think that it is until you're trying to say it under pressure. (laughs) I I, I was not expecting to be tongue tied. Um, So (laughs) it is what it is. I'll take it. Yeah. (laughs) It's all good. Yes. I see.
1: All right. So for our opening news segment that we like to do um, for what I've been reading this week, I am still working my way through the Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Still loving it. Nothing really new to report there. I am about uh, probably 60% of the way through volume one. So, and also still listening to failure is not an option by Gene Krantz. This one a little bit longer than I initially thought it was when I picked it up, um, but it's still, you know, super great. They are just at the point where uh, they sent John Glenn up and completed the first successful orbit of the Earth, so it was really cool to hear his take on that.
0: Nice, I'm glad that you're enjoying them, and I do like the weekly updates. Um, as far as Sandman, I did see that they, uh, that Netflix is already talking about not extending it for another season. Oh, not extending it? That's surprising. Not extending it.
1: That's too bad. It's too bad.
0: I've really enjoyed it. I I haven't watched it yet, but I mean, I don't know. Their prerogative, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, it is an adaptation of a, a graphic novel or a comic book, right? So, um, the different issues don't really feed one into the other the way that like a traditionally syndicated TV show um, does so maybe some of the users maybe that throws them off a little bit but I don't know it's, I thought it was good and I see that Sensha in the chat really loves it too so yeah, that, we I should start, a, it.
0: start a writing campaign <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe I'll watch it this weekend. Um just have to check it out.
1: Yeah. Uh so speaking of TV shows and moving uh movies, sorry. Um for what I've been watching this week, my wife and I actually just finished watching Top Gun Maverick just before the uh we started recording this episode and I was um how do I put this? Really, really pleasantly surprised. I had heard a lot of good things about it, and I intentionally tried not to get my hopes up because sometimes when a movie gets good reviews, it's easy to get overhyped, and then you get kind of let down. But that was not the case. It was excellent. I really
0: enjoyed it. So definitely would recommend it if you haven't seen it. Have you seen this one yet? I have not. I... I'm still nervous to go into the theaters uh, with everything, even though I've caught this silly thing twice. Um, So I still, I don't know. I still haven't seen it. Hear great things. So definitely on my list.
1: Yeah. It's out on iTunes now, if that matters, because that's where I watched it. So that's
0: where I watched Yeah, I saw that uh, today because I was in kind of a bad mood. So I was going to turn on uh, Ted Lasso. (laughs) And I saw that it had popped up as a, you can rent it on iTunes. So.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I did pick up a new game as well. Uh, this is called Cult of the Lamb. Have you heard about this one?
0: I have not. There's a couple streamers that I've okay. followed up and playing it. And I haven't caught one of their streams yet. It looks, it looks silly.
1: It is. It is silly. It is fun. It's cute. Yeah. Um, The best way I can describe it is a cross between a roguelike dungeon crawler and a city builder. So you play this little lamb and you start a cult and you recruit followers that you find when you're out crawling through these dungeons and stuff. And you bring them back to your little compound, which you have to build like uh, places for them to sleep and you have to build farms and grow food for them. Uh, You have to build, like, sanitary facilities, um, the whole nine yards. And then you just kind of progress and go through um, going through the dungeons. And then sometimes your followers will give you little, I don't know if they're technically called quests, but they're basically quests (laughs) to go back into the dungeon and pick stuff up. And, like, it it gets harder over time and you kind of upgrade your stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty fun. I will say say it has, so I play it on Steam. Um, I've played it on the PC and on the Steam Deck. They both work flawlessly. But I have heard from friends that play on consoles that it's kind of buggy, unfortunately. Um, So if you play on, I know it's out on the Switch and maybe the PlayStation, probably Xbox too. Uh, For some reason, they've had a lot of bugs, but... I haven't had anything on uh, any problems on
0: PC. Nice. Yeah, I even though I own consoles, they really are just media boxes for me. Like I really just use it <laughs> to watch TV. Yeah. Or um, the occasional game. Uh, I usually get games that I know my computer would eat itself if I tried to run. Those so they're good for that. Yeah. I'm not much of a console gamer I think I'm just too broad shoulders that my my hands go to sleep when I'm like holding a controller (laughs) that's super close together so yeah you can blame my my super hyper masculinity on that (laughs) or something
1: (laughs) yeah but anyway fun little game. Um I did technically pre-order it, um which I know is kind of taboo, but you know, I was interested. So it's yeah, would
0: recommend it if that you're, you know, if that's your kind of game. So Yeah, I do like city builders and I do like uh dungeon crawlers. It, so I might have there to you check go. it out. There you go. Um and then news
1: news, this one So I'm not a crypto bro, (laughs) Um, but I do do play around with the cryptos a little bit. And I thought you would be interested to know this piece of news about Ethereum, which is one of the bigger cryptocurrencies, probably the most popular outside of Bitcoin. Uh, They are getting ready to change the way that they uh, validate their blockchain. So the way that it works now, the way that Bitcoin and a lot of others work is a concept called proof of work where all of the computers in the pool connect and they solve these crypto puzzles to validate that the work was done. And that's how you create more coins. And Ethereum, the founder, uh, Vitalik Buterin, probably butchering that name and I apologize. He is getting ready to move to proof of stake which is kind of a newer method. Um, And a large part of the reason he's doing this is because crypto mining is incredibly energy intensive. Um, You have these big mining rigs consisting of multiple like graphics cards, super powerful computers, and they're sucking up all of this electricity and proof of stake works a little bit differently where, if you want to participate in that blockchain and validate uh, transactions and dictate when new crypto coins get created, you, in proof of stake, you put up some of the crypto that you earn as collateral. And so that's how you prove that you know, the the coins that you're submitting or the validation that you're performing is, uh,
0: you
1: know, legitimate rather than just sheer brute forcing. So it's estimated that it's going to drop the environmental impact of mining Ethereum by like a thousand percent or something. So, wow. I thought you would be excited to hear that.
0: <laughs> I, I still, crypto is like a, such a foreign concept to me. It, it still makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I know a yeah, lot of people either. are talking about, these blockchain, like non fungible tokens, type of things, NFTs, blockchain, is the yeah. future of everything. Supposedly, <laughs> I still don't
1: understand it. Yeah, I'll be honest; neither do I. It's okay. just one more little uh, thing to play around with. Throw fifty bucks at it and trade it between different coins and play the crypto market. So. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> that that was the piece that in the pre-show I was like, I don't want to go into it too in depth because I don't fully understand it, and it's definitely a, a tangential thing. So I will. It, it call might actually
0: be an interesting uh, topic for a future episode, just because neither one of us really understand it, and I do enjoy <laughs> learning new things to do the show. True. So. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Might be ways know. down the road if we do do it, because I, I would have to start from like point zero, right?
1: But yeah, that was that was my week. What about you? What's going on?
0: Um, my week has been a little bit less exciting, I guess. Um, as far as reading, uh, I did start classes yesterday uh so i'm into the last year of my senior year um 20 years of college and i'm almost done uh so i've been reading a lot of ecology books which is always fun always interesting um but to kind of supplement that uh I picked up a book a while ago called the Oxford history of the Kings and Queens of Britain. And um, I've been playing a lot of crusader Kings. And so I was just, I wanted to learn the real history of some of these people that I was playing against uh, in this game. So I picked that up and I've been reading that a little bit. Nice. Cool. I don't know. I I read about uh, the kingdom of York today. And um, all the uh, the different Danish and Norwegian uh, kings that settled the north of England, Northumberland, which was kind of interesting. Um, a history that I knew of, but I didn't know the like the whole history type of thing. So
1: yeah, I'm not uh, not really a big history guy, but sounds. Interesting if I was gonna be a history guy that would be the part of history that interests me, I guess.
0: so yeah I don't know it it history's always fascinated me because I love a good story. it I don't think it really his like interests me as uh, I want to learn from it lest I repeat the mistakes of our uh, forefathers <laughs> or whatnot but um, it's more. It's a good story. I enjoy reading it. I enjoy understanding a little bit more about the culture. Um, but it re-cements uh, why English is so messed up. The uh, the whole saying of uh, English is what you get when uh, Vikings learn Latin to yell at Germans. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fits.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tracks.
0: <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, And then as far as watching, so I finally convinced my wife to watch Alone With Me. So we started watching the last season, uh, Grizzly Mountain, uh, the episodes from this last summer. And it's actually been kind of a fun little uh, thing that we were both kind of enjoying, I guess. Cool. Are yeah, you caught cool. up on that show yet?
1: I am, yeah. My
0: wife and I have uh, finished out
1: the current season, so I will be sure not to spoil anything for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: It's are you good watching good. the new Arctic, the frozen one or whatever?
1: Uh, it was season nine. Um, they are in
0: northeastern Canada in
1: polar bear country. Okay. So. <laughs> Is that the one you guys are watching?
0: We are watching eight. So we're watching the one from the summer. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, that Um, was a good one too. We're pretty far in. Uh, There's four contestants left. So I think we're within two or three episodes.
1: Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but that's usually how it goes. Yeah.
0: Or we're yet to watch episode nine. Uh, There's a hard rocker there at the... I just love his personality but I think he's probably next one to go.
1: Is it Is his name Biko? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I do remember him. <laughs> he was a <the> character <laughs> had the animal bones that he carved to to put into to, his nose keep his, uh, to keep his to keep his nose piercing, piercing open. open. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was a cool guy. I really
0: enjoyed watching him. I he seems like a guy that I would love to hang out with. Yeah. Got to tell you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool.
0: Um, and then haven't really been playing anything. Uh, also canceled all of my streaming services. Uh, so here in a little bit, I'm going to lose all access to TV except for Peacock, just because I have to continue to watch soccer. Um, (laughs) Fair. So I don't know what I'll be watching after that. And then, news news, I finally got hit with the Duolingo update that everybody hates. I have not gotten that one yet. Oh, man. It turned over today. I was in the middle of uh, a Norwegian lesson, and it uh, crashed. And then when I loaded it back up, it looked different, and I was sad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah change is rough I I hate change uh, I feel like Sheldon Cooper sometimes people tell me change is good but it's never good I don't believe it <laughs> so uh,
1: we have uh, a question from the chat um, the movie Prey on Hulu the new uh, Predator movie I have not seen that have you seen that one yet? I have not seen that one either, um, okay, yeah, I've seen previews for it, but I have not actually had a chance to sit down
0: and watch it yep i uh I don't have Hulu. that was one of the first ones that didn't make the cut mm-hmm. so
1: cool. yeah, it's on my list. I'll get to it at some
0: point, hopefully i'll still I'll still <laughs> your login and I'll watch it too. There you go.
1: that'll work. <laughs> Till they disable it like Netflix is trying to do, but right. Anyway.
0: Um yeah, that's the news. Uh that and I started school yesterday. Fun. Which I think I already said, so I don't know. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, with that, we should get into our main topic. Talk about Bigfoot.
0: Um, so before we start, you moved up to Bigfoot country. Uh, I have did. you seen him yet? As you
1: can, as you can see by my shirt, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not seen him. I, I have been up in the, in the woods, in the mountains quite a bit as I like to do. Not as much as I would ideally like to do, but I don't think that's uh realistic. So, um, no, I have not seen him. But okay. maybe that's just because he does not want to
0: be seen. That That's the theory. Um, yeah. I spend a lot of time in the Colorado mountains and uh, haven't seen them yet either.
1: Cool. You wanted to go ahead and start this off. I know you did a lot of the notes
0: this week, so. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, so to start off our Bigfoot discussion, uh, we kind of have to talk about what, bigfoot might look like what he is or she is or what they are. I don't know what pronouns the Bigfoot goes by. Um, the current
1: consensus though, and we should preface this by saying we're not Bigfoot experts. <laughs> we're uh, interested in it, but
0: that's yeah, uh, perhaps we should. <laughs> <laughs> we are not cryptozoologists or Bigfoot fanatics, maybe after this show, we will be, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) uh, the current consensus, uh, Bigfoots are large, bipedal, muscular, and ape-like bipedal, meaning they walk on two legs. Uh, they tend to be six to nine feet tall which is about 1.7 to 2.7 meters in height. Um, some people who have seen them claim that they have more of a human face than animal, uh, which has created a moral dilemma when people go out to hunt them. Uh, there's hunters that have claimed that they could not shoot a Bigfoot because it looked too human.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: Um, the most common feature uh, described by uh, eyewitnesses, is a putrid smell coming from the ape, uh, giving it a, a local name of skunk ape uh, in Florida as well as kind of taking over in the Pacific Northwest. So that the, is... the
1: some reports of the smell are becoming more common, or... The, the, the nickname, the skunk ape.
0: Okay, yeah. gotcha. And I was searching it out. I guess it comes from a a florida legend but uh maybe people from florida have just moved up to the pacific northwest and maybe that's why it's oh, been I called everybody's up moving there. up here man
1: <laughs> we already got everybody from california moving to idaho we don't need florida to you uh, <laughs> sorry kind of on one tonight <laughs> you are that's okay though <laughs> <clears throat> yeah i mean it could be right it's kind of interesting sometimes how uh, nicknames and stuff travels like that. But.
0: Yeah. So that's what they look like. Um, now, of of all the pictures, because I've seen pictures. I know you've seen pictures. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the most common picture is that it's like black or dark brown fur.
1: Yeah, that's what I typically see. Like a
0: Harry and the Henderson's
1: type vibe. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> but yeah, other than the color, I think the one thing that's pretty common to a lot of the video footage and the pictures that I've seen is has really long limbs, kind of lending credence to that uh what you were saying about some type of a large bipedal ape creature, right? Yeah. Definitely longer limbs than a typical human. Even if you were to like scale a human up to be seven feet tall or eight or nine feet tall, I feel like it's a lot more lanky.
0: It it does fascinate me these long limbs that it has, especially on the forearms or the uh, arms, forelegs. Mm-hmm. You would think that almost like an orangutan or a uh, or a gorilla that they would use the arms to move but I've never seen ape-like movements from any of the video yeah it's
1: it's I mean I'm not a an ape expert either but it also does not seem to walk strictly like a human does either like the there's the famous film um the Patterson film somebody said that you know shows it kind of lumbering through the woods and not necessarily like a human would walk but also not quite like an ape but maybe it's the missing link it could be I haven't I haven't uh, read all of your notes I apologize if that uh,
0: if that comes in
1: later but
0: no <clears throat> I did not do any of the theories of the evolutionary theories so. okay <laughs> Cool.
1: So before we get too much further off the rails, (laughs) um, just looking at the history then of it um, in the research that we did. So a lot of first nations tribes have legends of some type of large hairy creatures that live deep in the forest. Um, Most of them predate the first recorded Bigfoot sightings. Um, One that's fairly well known, the Tule River Reservation Painted Rock. Um, There's a painting called The Family, which depicts a family of ape-like creatures with the largest being called the Hairy Man. Um, And then also Spanish settlers in California told stories of creatures called Dark Watchers, which were large animals that allegedly stalked the settlers' camps. Also, over in Mississippi, Jesuit Jesuit priests wrote of hairy creatures that would scream before stealing cattle, which actually lines up pretty closely with the Bigfoot myth. Um, You and I have talked before about some of the shows and documentaries on Bigfoot and how that's one of the ways to go out and try and call or try and attract Bigfoot is to go out and scream.
0: I still... All of those finding Bigfoot shows when you have these professionals go out and scream at the top of their lungs, it still just makes me laugh my butt off. It's so funny.
1: yeah, it's very entertaining to watch, <clears throat> <laughs> so although to be fair, somebody watching me go out in the woods and you know try and call in an elk or something would probably think that's pretty funny too. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair.
0: Um no. So uh there's three more points in the history. Uh Robert Pyle, he he's an ecologist, and his explanation of the Bigfoot myth is that many cultures have legends of hairy giants, uh, or larger than average men that live out in the in the wilderness. These can be the uh, the frost giants, or uh, a sort of uh, of the Scandinavian tribes, it can be the Yetis, it can be even apes uh, are kind of seen as big, and the belief in these cultural myths. Uh, Pyle believes that they represent a need to identify something larger than life, or something to kind of um, explain the unexplainable type of thing and that's kind of his thought uh, The and I'm going to butcher this, I apologize to anybody, <laughs> any member of this tribe that is listening uh, the Stales people, uh, which is a tribe from the lower region of British Columbia they have a myth or a legend of a shape-shifting protector of the forest named Saskets, anglicized to be Sasquatch, uh, which roughly translates as hairy man in the hulk malum language that was a mouthful and i do apologize for any bad pronunciations
1: i thought you handled it very well better than i could
0: <laughs> it's all about saying it with uh with authority right yeah exactly <laughs> um most of the legends that uh, that. I looked at as I was doing these notes. Uh, they range from an angry forest protector to a cannibalistic monster to um, misunderstood wild men that just live in remote areas and steal your fish. So there's a whole gamut of myths from like very dangerous, like otherworldly type of beings that you should fear to. Uh, just uh, long lost cousins that like are kind of trickster gods type of thing.
1: Yeah. It, I watched a movie and granted this was in no way a documentary, not um, even like suggested that it was nonfiction. Uh, what was that called? It was on Netflix and it was a horror film. Oh, the ritual. That's what it was called. Um, there's, that one. it was, I want to say it was Norwegian or Swedish. And there's these four or five guys um, who go up into the woods. They were like, they were friends in college. And then they kind of drifted apart. They get back together and do this, go on this like camping trip. And like I said, it's a horror film. So it's very like Blair witchy. They run across these cultists who uh, try to offer them up as an offering to this large furry creature. And uh, in the film, it's described as one of the Jotun's. So what you said about, uh, about that made me think of that movie the yodner yeah yeah so not uh, not directly you know bigfoot but was based on on actual folk, the
0: folklore interesting i'll have to check it out i actually actually just wrote it on my uh on my notepad of things to watch, so that I can discuss.
1: Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. cool. Um, let's see, so we're at the name origins now. Is that right? Yep. Or okay. So, where did the name Bigfoot come from? Um, in our research, we found that I found a gentleman named Jerry Crew, who in 1958 was working as a logger in California and discovered a set of large 16-inch human footprints, so, you know, big, uh, that were sunk deep into the mud of the Six Rivers National Forest. That's 41 centimeters for our international listeners on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Many of his crewmates mentioned that they had noticed similar footprints around the area, and some other strange things started happening, happening around the logging camp. A big uh, oil drum being moved without explanation, trees being toppled over, etc. And so they started to blame it on Bigfoot, uh, this, you know, unknown kind of boogeyman that was stalking their logging camp since they had found the footprints. That's just kind of what they called him. Uh, Eventually, the story found its way to the local newspaper where, you know, spread across the region and eventually across the country and around the world. In 2002, so good, uh, you know, 50, 60 years later, the family of one of the crew members uh, from that logging crew stated that their father had been secretly making the footprints with a wooden stencil to prank his coworkers. So whether or not Bigfoot is real, the, uh, the name came from what, uh, what was described as a prank by somebody who was connected to the crew.
0: There you go. Um, so the next bit, uh, is not about our Sasquatch, uh, friend. It's actually, um, cultural references of Bigfoot, other ways that Bigfoot's been used in, uh, kind of North American folklore and history. Um, and I added this cause I thought it was just fascinating. Um, so, in the 1830s, a Wyandotte chief uh, was nicknamed Bigfoot um, because of his large stature. Uh, a lot of them seem to be uh, Native American or First Nations chiefs. Um, uh, Potawatomi chief, uh, maung uh was nicknamed Chief Bigfoot. Uh, he has a state park and a school name for him. Uh in Wisconsin, I think. I didn't write that down. I probably should have. <laughs> uh, William A. A. Wallace. Um, not the William Wallace of Scottish <laughs> legend, but a Texas Ranger. Was nicknamed Bigfoot because he wore very large shoes. And the town of Bigfoot, Texas is named after him. So if you're ever down in Texas, Bigfoot is not named after the uh, the ape-like being. It's named after a Texas Ranger. Um, The Lakota leader, Spotted Elk, also had the nickname Bigfoot. And um, I don't know if the Forest Service or Park Service or something does this to make fun of Bigfoot believers. But whenever there's a problem grizzly in an area where they come into, uh, into contact with humans and become like a... Will become a problem, uh, a nuisance bear. Uh, they are nicknamed Bigfoot. So, whenever there is a nuisance bear in an area, they're codenamed Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, interesting! So,
1: <laughs> so with my, I thought that uh, was kind of funny. So, what you are saying is, if I am uh, browsing the airwaves with my amateur radio stuff, if I hear somebody talking about Bigfoot on one of the the government radio bands.
0: It's probably a a nuisance bear. It could be a nuisance bear. Cool. Or that could just be the story that they tell us so that we don't know (laughs) the truth. Yeah. You never know.
1: I would not put it past the government to, you know, cover something up. So.
0: They would never do that. Right. Just like they would never listen to our podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, if we suddenly go (laughs) off the air, you'll know why. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So as far as Bigfoot sightings, then there have been over 10,000 reported sightings in the continental U.S., approximately a third of which are located in the Pacific Northwest. Popular hotspots for the sightings include Washington, Oregon, Western Idaho, Northern California, and British Columbia. Also, the Great Lakes region of the U.S. and Canada and the southeastern United States, which was always interesting to me,
0: I, it is interesting. I feel like this is almost um, like all over North America because uh, I found sightings, like reports of sightings in Arizona, in the middle of Navajo Country. I've heard, I've seen reports in Northern Utah. Uh, Colorado's got sightings Um, New Mexico has its own Bigfoot festival Uh, I would assume that they would have a Bigfoot festival because there's been sightings you never know it is New Mexico Um, it it is fascinating just how broad this is that people have seen these ape-like creatures everywhere
1: yeah it's I almost wonder if there's Um, maybe some type of like relative species, right? That um, split off and prefers like the, the wet swampy Florida type climate uh, to the, the wooded Pacific Northwest. But that's kind of outside my realm of expertise. I know you're the, the biology guy. Is that, is that plausible? Like species ever split
0: and migrate like that? It is plausible. Um, that's basically the foundation of Darwin's observations in uh, the Galapagos. Is a split, is a species split um, with a certain type of bird and the way their beaks developed based on resource acquisition on compared to the mainland birds of the same species. And how these... Uh, birds in the Galapagos are actually a different species at this point because the environment was so different. So evolutionarily speaking, it could be um, after the ice age, uh, maybe these creatures been here. I mean, they've been here pre-Columbian, right? Uh, with a lot of uh, First Nation myths. Mm-hmm. It very well could be some of the species uh, stayed up north or followed the receding glaciers up north. Some of them stayed south, some of them. So if they do exist, it could be slightly different species with different niches in the uh, environment.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me. As a you know, an engineer that doesn't know anything about biology, <laughs> <But>.
0: <laughs> uh, it, it, It's things like that, which is why I got fascinated with biology to begin with, is just how species are different across different uh, regions, how basically how the uh, environment and all the systems of the ecosystem work in different areas. It's yeah. not the same everywhere it's just fascinating so cool. Um, some of the other names that Bigfoot goes by and this is kind of a fun list. Uh, Sasquatch is often widely used in conjunction with Bigfoot. They kind of interchangeable at this point. Skunk Ape, we kind of talked about that. Uh, This comes from first person or like eyewitness accounts of a wretched, almost sewage-like smell uh, coming off of these things. Uh, Grassman. The Fook Monster. The hair, probably. Probably the hair. Yeah. Uh, Fook Monster, that didn't make sense to me, but it's very Colloquial, Uh, just like Wood Booger. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I was out there uh, hunting. I saw this darn Wood Booger. He came after me. It's all right though. I got him. (laughs) That that feels like such a southern nickname, the Wood Booger. Probably. Uh, the Monster of Whitehall. This one actually originates from Whitehall, New York. Uh, Interesting. Momo. Momo, okay. Isn't that yeah. Spanish for
1: like clown or like clown face or funny face?
0: I don't know. I think it is. My, my Spanish is not up to par. It could be. Uh,
1: yes. clowning, Clowning, funny face... Acting like a clown. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So from the funny face, probably. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, Dewey Lake Monster. The Magolan Monster. Big Muddy Monster. The Old Men of the Mountain. <laughs> and Wood Ape. Um, of those, I feel like I've heard Skunk Ape, Wood Ape bigfoot and sasquatch the most and i've only heard wood ape off of a uh, radio show called coast to coast whenever they bring on these bigfoot experts um i feel like that's the cryptozoological like name that they give it to sound um like they're not people who just go after bigfoot so
1: mm, okay yeah i've definitely heard sasquatch bigfoot and I think that's it. Um, I think I yeah I think similar to you I heard the term wood ape on one of the documentaries or maybe one of uh, one of the other podcasts that I was listening to kind of the like paranormal uh, type podcast. I don't remember which one, but anyway, well. Um, So as far as behavior, then moving on the behavior reported by people who have cited Bigfoot include uh, territorial displays of, you know, being defensive also for communication, uh, like throwing rocks, um, knocking wood, like banging sticks against trees, uh, pulling trees out of the ground, hanging their prey in the trees, also, reports of nesting, similar to gorillas in, uh, in Africa. Also, a lot of reports that Bigfoot is nocturnal in nature, um, although I know you, as a biologist, noted that as far as primates, uh, this would be a departure from that. Um, so maybe it's not a primate. Also, they do seem to be fairly solitary. Uh, very few, if any, reports of sighting you know in packs uh, or family groups. Uh, some people hypothesize that uh, hunting and gathering falls to the male Bigfoot, while child rearing and uh, stuff like that falls on the matriarchs of the families, and maybe that's why they haven't been seen.
0: There you go. Um, vocalizations. If you ever watch a Bigfoot hunting show or any of those, um, these are the sounds that Bigfoot supposedly makes or allegedly makes. Um, howls, screams, moans, grunts, whistles. And some have even reported a form of uh, like functional language. Um,
1: I've actually Les... heard
0: that before
1: on other shows. Do you have any other information on that?
0: Uh, not a lot. Uh, in my research, um, Les Stroud, uh, the Survivor man, he actually was out in the woods and had said that he heard something that he'd never heard before, and it sounded like language to him. Um, so.
1: Okay.
0: And I should put more credence on these uh Bigfoot experts. They are experts in their field. But I put credence on this guy um mostly because he is a documentary uh maker who doesn't seem like somebody that would be like hoodwinked. Um he kind of in all of his shows like from Survivor Man to uh there was one that he did for Discovery or National Geographic, I think, actually National Geographic, where he went up into Canada uh, to document bears. Um, so he he's a journalist at Nature, and I don't think that he would be fall victim to um, victim to falling for a hoax or anything. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Well, I, I mean, of all of the different things, you know, really them having a, a language is really honestly not that far-fetched for me. Um, you know, I, I train dogs, and dogs are nowhere near as intelligent as like chimpanzees and apes, and Bigfoot is supposedly even closer to humans than that. Um, so really a lot of animals have different vocalizations um, even, you know, Jane Goodall way back in the day with the the gorillas noticed that. And so mm-hmm. really, that's, if anything, that makes it more plausible to me of their existence because it would be weirder if they existed and they didn't have some type
0: of a spoken language, I guess is what right. I'm saying. Vocalizations. So,
1: yeah. Even I mean, whales do, right? Oh, uh, and if they don't, if you uh, if they stop vocalizing, you have to go back in time and steal a, a Klingon bird of prey. And
0: <laughs> yeah, anyway, Star Trek reference. Sorry. <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up the wells. Uh, mammals, uh, especially, have a lot of vocalizations. I, I think almost as many as most bird species. Uh, But whales, I can't remember what the actual numbers were, and I'd have to look it up. uh, But I do know that the Humpback Whale Project has found, like, thousands of different tones and vocalizations from the clicking patterns to the whistling to the songs to everything uh, that they actually believe that whales might have a more... um, I can't think of the word. Uh, A more... Like a more complex language? Complex language than what we do. Yeah. Thank you. Complex.
1: No no problem. I remember watching something where um, oceanographers and and stuff had observed whale pods and were able to isolate specific sets of, of sounds and vocalizations in reference to specific members of the pod. And so they surmised that... Whales might actually have some form of uh, spoken names for each other, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch the uh, documentary Blackfish? Uh, it does not ring a bell. No. For some reason, I want to. I want to say, and it was. It was in that documentary. It might have been a different one, but uh, the orcas at SeaWorld, The reason why. Uh, they brought one in that uh, was attacked by the pod uh, that was at SeaWorld, the performing pod. And they, they theorized that um, it actually spoke a different dialect of Orca than the pods in captivity. And so it was seen as an outsider, as a danger, as a threat. Oh, interesting.
1: (laughs) So whales are xenophobic, apparently. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I didn't mean to to derail and go on a tangent, but uh, yeah, vocalizations.
0: Oh no, (laughs) freaking awesome tangent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. um, I forgot what I was going to say, so we'll just skip it. It wasn't important the vocalization tangent was a hundred times more important than whatever I was going to say.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, So next on our list, we have some encounters that we wanted to talk about. Um, So in 1924, an encounter known as the battle of ape Canyon, Uh, a group of miners reported being attacked by hairy ape like men that threw rocks onto their cabin roof from a nearby cliff after one of the miners tried to shoot a Bigfoot. Uh, Later, 1974, a man by the name of Albert Ostman claims to have been kidnapped and held captive by a Bigfoot in 1924. Interesting that those timelines match up. Yeah. And then uh, last year in 2021, a documentary on Hulu called Sasquatch uh, tells of the story of marijuana farmers who... Uh, reported Bigfoot's harassing and killing people within the Emerald Triangle in the 70s through the 90s.
0: Sorry, that was a typo. Emerald Triangle. Emerald Triangle. Thank you. Yeah. Um,
1: allegedly, in that uh, instance, Bigfoot murdered three migrant workers in 1993 in the same area, though it is thought that this was more likely linked to illegal drug trade. So I went through those kind of quickly. Did you have any other details on those
0: in your reading and research? No. Um, those were the three that just seemed the most interesting to me. Uh, if you watched any Supernatural things, everybody talks about the Ape Canyon incident. And then uh, kind of like people that are have been abducted or claim to have been abducted, like this guy claiming to have been abducted, uh, in his youth, and then coming out about it, what fifty years later, um, talking about being kidnapped and held captive by by Bigfoot, sounded fascinating to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then uh, the uh, the marijuana farmers, um, and and I know psychedelics, marijuana, like anything that alters the brain, you can uh, kind of imagine things but the fact that multiple people over decades in this illegal farm have been terrorized by bigfoot was fascinating especially pacific northwest it comes to that that myth uh of the sasquatch where they got their name right and um of Sasquatch being a forest protector. If they're tearing down, cutting down trees to grow illicit drugs, I could see a forest guardian terrorizing them and trying to scare them away. Like, it, it just seemed very compelling, which is why I added that one.
1: Yeah. And shared hallucinations are not really a thing ever. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. I I would agree that that definitely lends uh, some believability to it. So.
0: So, yeah. So that's why I chose those three.
1: Cool. And I know there's there's lots of others that uh, are out there. Unfortunately, we have to try and keep it uh, to within about an hour. So we might have to do a follow-up episode in the future. But. Um, I saw that in the notes you had some possible explanations. Do you want to take us through that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the current possible explanations is bears. Um, And the thought is a lot of the video and photographic evidence of Bigfoot is taken from such a far distance that your eyes really can't understand what you're seeing. Um, And so the thought is that it is a grizzly bear, brown bear, black bear, Kodiak whatever whatever area you're in the belief that it's bears that are being um falsely identified as something that doesn't exist in this area um which um I actually kind of believe uh there's there's one photo that I looked at and uh from the distance it looked very the uh the animal that they caught was like very hairy, almost like a gorilla, like orangutan, like just really super hairy. Mm -hmm. And there was a scientist that had dissected that photo and looked at it and said, to me, that looks like a cinnamon colored black bear that has mange. And
1: uh, I've seen dogs with that.
0: (laughs) uh, Mange is something. It's a type of disease. Uh, that just causes like wildness uh, to it. Um, I don't know exactly what mange, what causes mange, but I I see it in coyotes uh, here in Colorado quite often. Yeah, um, it's
1: it's caused by mites. Uh, it's a skin disease caused by mites. So, okay. and it can cause anything from like super matted, overgrown areas to like bald spots in the coat. Just very like irregular. Like you said, wild looking fur coats. So at least in dogs, that's
0: what it looks like. I'd assume that it would be the same in bears. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So that's one <laughs> theory. Um, this one, the next one really made me smile. Uh, the thought is it could be escaped apes. Um. Chimpanzees, gorillas, uh, orangutans uh, either escaped from a zoo or possibly circuses. And the reason, what gives us the most credence Mm -hmm. is in the south, uh, southeastern United States where a lot of hotbeds are, um, the climate is actually favorable for these ape communities. And there is a belief that it could actually be a community of apes that have escaped from either illegal zoos, circuses, private collectors who have let uh, their primates go after they realized that having a 300-pound orangutan in their house was not a good idea, (laughs) Um, things like that. And so they kind of believe that there's a possibility that these could be primate Con- uh, enclaves of uh, primates
1: it, uh, it reminds me of the the episode of the Grand Tour where um, they send um, the three of them, Jeremy James and Richard down to Columbia to pose as wildlife photographers and they give them a list of animals and one of the ones they give them is a hippopotamus which hippos are not native to Colombia or South America at all, but come to find out uh, some drug Lord down there had had a couple of pet hippos that he imported and they, after he was caught and went to prison, the hippos kept living in the wild. Yeah. So situation kind of like that, I imagine.
0: That that's kind of what I thought when I first went escaped apes. I went, oh, they, nobody that has like an animal care license would let an ape escape. And then I thought of all, I thought of Tiger King. In all honesty, like, <laughs> oh man, that show, <laughs> talk about a train wreck. <laughs> but if if somebody's going to launch an illegal zoo, like, there's a possibility that apes would escape. Could be, yeah. So, um, humans. Uh, to me, this is the most likely uh, is hoax pranksters wearing gorilla suits. Um, some people thought the possibility of shamans of animistic uh, faiths wearing their um, wearing some of their suits, uh, especially <laughs> in the siberian tradition most shamans wear like these first suits that cover head to toe uh so shamans um, or of earth religions leading or performing rituals or possibly hermits or other survivalists that are just trying to scare away prying eyes uh so the belief that it could just be humans and then uh the last possible explanation is there's a there's a phenomenon called pareidolia and um this is a phenomena where people will kind of matrix a human face where there isn't a human face that exists um So a lot of scientists believe that this is uh, where you see ghost apparitions is through this phenomenon where people see a change in the shadow and they give it human-like characteristics. And so they believe that eyewitnesses without the video or camera witness could just be seeing shadows that take on human characteristics because that's what their brain is triggered to look for in patterns.
1: Yeah, I've actually read about this phenomena a little bit. There's a there's a subreddit on on Reddit where people post uh I don't remember the name of it, I'd have to go look it up, which I don't want to do, but they'll post pictures that have that like uh appearance of a face. And it's kind of entertaining to see uh some of the things, you know, whether it's a car or whatever, a tree that looks like a, a face. It's kinda cool. And a cool thing to like read up about if you ever want to go down a rabbit hole,
0: oh yeah i I watched a uh, I think a uh, one of those supernatural shows long, long time ago. I think I was in middle school, maybe, and they were talking about how the human human eyes are meant to see a series of patterns and will fill in gaps. And they were kind of talking about this phenomenon. Like, I don't want to give away how old I am. We'll just say it was more than 20 years ago. This TV (laughs) show was on and they were talking about how our eyes will play tricks on us because they, we're conditioned to look for, for patterns. And that's what our brain will give us if there's missing information.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Okay. So, a few um, thoughts, kind of wrapping it up. uh, I have a couple more things to, a couple more points to go through, but a couple of things for thought. Is there something in our forests that we don't know about? This one is... I'm going to let you take the bulk of this one since you're studying biology. <laughs> Most of my theories are just going to be theories. So what's the chance that there's a, and I don't know what the technical scientific term is, but a a large species, like a, not like an insect or a, you know, a bird or something, um, but a species of some large animal that still has not been discovered
0: um I'm taking off my biology hat and I'm just talking oh. as <laughs> a conspiracy theorist like a, a, a supernatural freak like I I want to believe um there is <laughs>
1: I had that ready. I was waiting for you to say that phrase. I knew it was going to come up at some point. Gosh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, I've done a lot of uh, backpacking, a lot of camping, a lot of uh, backcountry exploring, and... Even though it appears uh, that the world is small, that there's that we've been everywhere, there's still so many old-growth forests, um, mostly outside of the United States because we are terrible stewards of our environment and we've destroyed most of our old-growth old sto- forests here in uh, the United States. But there's so much area that we haven't set foot in or don't set foot in on a regular um the pacific northwest is one of those areas that is still an untouched old growth forest that has not been cut down for cattle herding or any of that and so could there be something there and there could um i didn't realize how vast uh the forests could have been until i jumped on an airplane and we were flying to iceland and looking down on canada especially around the hudson bay and realizing that there is miles of untouched old growth forest there's no way in there's no way that humans could go and see everything so could there be a species that we don't know about living in there yeah i believe that there could be
1: Yeah, I I mean I have to agree with you, <laughs> um, and particularly up in this area. Like, I mean, we, you and I, had been tentatively planning like a hiking trip. Which, I mean, the entire Sawtooth Wilderness area is like on fire right now, unfortunately. So, <laughs> probably won't happen. But just in in researching the area and in the trips that I have taken. There is so much up there that, I mean, even just getting more than, I don't know, more than 10 miles into the, some of the wilderness areas, it is truly untouched country. (laughs) And the, the mountain range, whether it's the sawtooths or the up further in the, in the Idaho panhandle, Idaho is a very long state. (laughs) Um, and before I moved here, I didn't realize how long it was. I think because of the the way that a lot of maps display it, um, it looks shorter than it actually is. But there's a huge untapped wilderness area and I would not be surprised at all if there was species of all kinds that we haven't discovered yet, whether small, large, everything in between. So yeah, yeah. definitely
0: possible in my mind. Um, I guess that will bring us to the second question, Bigfoot, real, possible, plausible, or completely fake.
1: Um, so I can't say real because I haven't seen one. Um, I haven't seen, you know, I mean, I've seen like the pictures and the, the movies and, stuff that are out there on the internet, but I'm kind of a skeptic by nature. So I can't say real as much as I would like to. (laughs) Um, But I have to say plausible. I mean, I think it's more than just possible. I think, I don't know what it is that people have seen, but I don't think, I think there's definitely cases where what people have seen has been a bear or uh, some other known species but I don't think that's the case in all of these sightings. I think there's probably some animal that people have seen that we haven't discovered yet. I don't know what all the traits of that animal are. I don't know how intelligent they are, Um, but I think it would, it's extremely closed minded to say that it's not possible. So that's
0: my answer. All right. Um, I'm gonna say plausible with a little bit of a caveat um North america actually the americas are is the has never had a wild um ape uh and the definition of an ape is a primate who has lost its tail, usually ground dwelling um we don't have them here in the Americas. And so the idea of a primate evolving from the howler monkeys or some of the monkey, like the previous primates, uh, that we do find down in South America, Central America, uh, and evolving from them to grow into a giant being, I think is very unlikely. So my personal belief is that we are seeing an undiscovered type of bear or some other large mammal. I don't believe that they would be primate, uh, which would also explain why they tend to be nocturnal um, Mm. as apes are not nocturnal. Um, The only monkeys that are, the only primates that are nocturnal are uh, monkeys. Um, So That's my own personal theory. I don't believe that there is a wood ape in North America. I believe that it is something else entirely.
1: Yeah. Could be anything, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So if you were just getting into the hypothetical, if you were a Bigfoot, whether you're a primate or something else, where would you hide to avoid detection?
0: I got to tell you, man, uh, flying over Canada, there is millions upon millions of acres of untouched, unspoiled forest land. I'm there.
1: (laughs) Yep. Agreed. I would say somewhere in, I don't know, probably British Columbia that, uh, you know, the Eastern province of Canada, the, the Canadian Rockies. So You know, yeah, I, lots do... of space to roam around, not very many people.
0: I'm thinking some of the uh, deciduous uh, forest up by up in Quebec, uh, maybe even no, probably not the Northwest Territories. I think there's too much uh, permafrost there, but I think Quebec area.
1: Well, maybe you could be migratory. You could head up to the Northwest Territories or the Yukon for the summers, and then come down south for the winters. Well,
0: there you go. Maybe, maybe Bigfoot's a hunter. Maybe they follow the uh, Maybe they follow the caribou just like the wolves do.
1: I mean, that would make sense, right? A, a large mammal is going to need meat,
0: mm-hmm. so. There you go. Solved. <laughs> um, so that's kind of our thoughts. Uh, to close the episode, or close the main topic of the episode, uh, there are a lot of organizations that you can go to if you want more information on Bigfoot. Uh, the first and one of the oldest is called the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, the BFRO. They have a website with, um, a database full of sightings, encounters, pictures, anything that you could know, uh, want to know, um, and want to be trained on how to hunt them yourself. And when I say hunt, I mean, look for them because, uh. Our next organization will come after you. It's a nonprofit if you do hunt them called the North American Wood Ape Conservancy. And they are here to protect the wood apes or Bigfoots and make sure that they do not get hunted if they do exist. So those two are the official organizations. Um, As far as other places you can go for information, uh, there's a lot of places in, in Washington, Oregon, California, Um, where people who are just excited fanatics about Bigfoot have set up Bigfoot museums. There's also conferences and festivals. The biggest one is in Willow Creek, California, and it hosts the Bigfoot Days. And this is an annual festival. Um, And the reason why it's in Willow Creek is if you go back to our, when we were talking about where the name came from, Uh, This is where Jerry Cruz logging, like logging company, where the company that he worked with that was logging uh, first encountered Bigfoot uh, is in this area of California. Um, There's also the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival. And then in 2022, so this last year, uh, current year, as of the recording, there was a the Bigfoot Festival in Marion, North Carolina, which saw an attendance of more than 10,000 people over this two-day event. So definitely a lot of opportunity to go experience, explore the truth for yourself.
1: Cool. Um, So there's one more that uh, I want to plug, which didn't actually happen this year um, due to... know, COVID stuff. But there's a convention in Idaho called SquatchCon, which is a Sasquatch convention. It is held in the city, or at least last year, it was held in the city of Nampa. And again, going back to what you said about where the name came from, uh, the city of Nampa is named for a Shoshone Native American chief called Chief Nampa. And the word Nampa means big moccasin or Big Shoe.
0: So <laughs> that is why
1: SquatchCon is in Nampa.
0: Interesting. I'll have to check that out next year. That sounds like <laughs> a fun festival.
1: Yeah, hopefully they bring it back. It'd be worth the drive.
0: Anyway. <clears throat> um, So we like to end every episode with a mindfulness moment. Um, some of them... Are quotes that make you think some of them are like religious scripture from different cultures all around the world. We've used the Havamal, we've used um, the Bhagavad Gita in the past, but basically just something to make us stop, think, and wrap everything together. Today's mindfulness moment comes from Jane Goodall. Um, we, we talked about her earlier when we were talking about vocalizations, and she was an ape Uh, a biologist that studied apes, uh, primatologist I think is what they would be called Um, and this quote says I'm a romantic I would like Bigfoot to exist I've met people who swear they've seen Bigfoot and I think the interesting thing is every single continent there's an equivalent of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, there's the Yeti the Yowie of Australia and the Chinese Wildman and on and on and on um, So Thoughts On the Jane Goodall quote
1: I mean if there was ever Anybody that knows about apes and primates <laughs> she's, she's On the short list So I'm inclined to Agree with everything She said I also would like Bigfoot to exist I hope he does or they do And hopefully they can Continue to just live Peacefully
0: away from people where, you know, because people suck. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Uh, Completely agree. I think it would be cool if they existed. I think it's cool that you have uh, a hero of mine uh, in Jane Goodall basically saying that she hopes that they exist. Um, That there's almost too much uh, mythology around them for them, for there not to be some idea or a smidgen of truth in the legends um, and I kind of like that
1: okay well thanks for joining us on this uh, foray into Bigfoot and Sasquatch be sure to join us next week at the same time for a future technology um, look into the genre called solar punk we'll see you then
0: See you